Hello, I'm Alison Larkin, writer-comedian, narrator and host of The Jane Austen Podcast, presented by Realm. I have loved every single minute of narrating the complete novels of Jane Austen, but honestly, it can be a bit lonely sitting all by yourself in front of a microphone, even if you do have Jane Austen for company. So... When I heard about Regency Week at Alton and Chawton, where Jane Austen wrote her famous novels, I jumped on an aeroplane and met Jane Austen fans from all over the world who love Jane Austen just as much as I do. If you weren't able to make it to Regency Week this year, come with me now to experience just a taste of what it was like this year. It was really magic. You'll meet the Sunday Times best-selling author of Miss Austin, the one and only Jill Hornby. You'll join me for dinner with Austin fans. You'll meet an Austin costumier and also a lovely woman from Texas who recognised my voice when I met her from having listened to Pride and Prejudice. When I got back, one of my fellow Janeites knew I was feeling homesick and missing all my new friends at Regency Week, so they suggested that I interview an American who is, without a doubt, the world's least likely Janeite. He fronts a rock band where you can find him singing Van Halen. He decorates wedding cakes that are beautiful, by the way. And he also runs four of the largest Jane Austen social media pages in the world. We'll be right back after this. Who among us doesn't enjoy a good mystery? And especially when solving it means that I get to bring out my competitive side, even if it's just me against the clock, I just can't wait to uncover all the secrets. So June's Journey is a game that is completely up my alley, and I think you'll love it too. In June's Journey, a hidden object mystery game, you play as June Parker, who's on a quest to solve her sister's murder and uncover her family's many secrets. Each chapter brings you deeper into the story, and it's set in the Roaring Twenties, so beyond uncovering clues, you get to experience the glitz and glamour of the time. June's Journey is definitely not a game I play mindlessly, which I love because I get genuinely invested, and a lot of it is a race against time, so there's a little fun added pressure of trying to find the clues as quickly as you can in each scene. There are also tons of ways to customize the island that you're on, learn more about the characters, and then new chapters are added weekly, so you really can't run out of things to explore. So if you think you're up to solve this case, download June's Journey for free today on iOS or Android, or play on PC through Facebook games. June needs your help, detective. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. So there I am on the street in Chawton, opposite the Greyfriars pub, which is opposite the house where Jane Austen wrote her famous novels. And I'm on a walk for literacy for the Jane Austen Literacy Foundation, 
which helps refugees and others in literacy crisis learn to read. Who should I be walking next to but the Sunday Times best-selling novelist, Jill Hornby, who wrote Miss Austin. If you haven't read it yet, you have to. Miss Austin is a literary mystery set in 1840. Cassandra Austin returns to the village of Kintbury. She knows that in some corner of the vicarage where she is staying, there is a cache of letters written by her sister Jane. I love Jill Hornby, and you will too. Here's some of our conversation. Oh, hello, Jill. I'm Alison. Hello, Alison. And this is Jill Hornby, who is an extremely famous writer. And I'm so excited that, that you're here. What, what, what it, do you know much about the Jane Austen Literacy Foundation? Well, I've been asked to be an ambassador, so Good. I probably know more than I do. But um, I know that anything to do with Jane Austen and to do with Chawton yeah. is um, top-class stuff. Yeah. And I'm, I'm here to support it. Yeah, and tell me, what? why did you write the book? What, what was? Tell us a little bit about the book. Well, Miss Austen, because I've done two. I've done Miss Austen and Godmersham Park. And Miss Austen was the first one. And I was really motivated, actually, by the story of Cassandra, who um, I felt an immediate affinity with. But also, I moved 30 years ago to a village called Kimbury, into the old vicarage. And I was told then, 30 years ago, that there was a Jane Austen connection, which I didn't think much of. And then it turned out it was actually a Cassandra Austen connection in that she had been engaged to the son of the Vicar of Kibbury and that it had ended in heartbreak. And she had spent her first Christmas away from the Austens at our house with her fiancé before he crossed the world. Um, by ship and it was the last time she ever saw him she said goodbye to him before dawn at our gate and he was carried off you know by a pony and trap and she just lodged in my heart really those 19th century women who were or 18th as she was at the time who were destined for one you know one destiny and and then fate intervened and they had to they had to invent another destiny for themselves. And Cassandra and Jane were those women. They had all sorts of things struck them and they had to keep going. And really, I felt so strongly that it was Cassandra that kept Jane going through all that and that without Cassandra, we wouldn't have these wonderful So I wanted to make the case for Cassandra. She's got a lot of disrespect from biographers and fans because she burnt so many of the letters and and she's been marked down as sort of the dreary one but the thing is if she was if she was dreary jane would never have adored her as she did and from the letters that do remain we know that jane worshipped her so i worked from the premise that in fact she was a fantastically good egg and that we ought to have more sympathy with her. And also that I just wanted to defend her against the people who have been her detractors for the last sort of 200 years. That's fantastic. The women at that time, they, they really had no choice. No. What you just said about, you know, they had... The thing I find irritating is the way that Mrs Bennet is consistently considered to be sort of, oh, what a sort of an annoying woman to try Mrs. and marry. Mrs Bennet is the heroine it, of Pride and Prejudice. Thank you. If you look at this thing from Jane's perspective, if you look at it from the perspective of the contemporary reader, they would open Pride and Prejudice, they would get the first paragraph, there they were with an entailed property, 
dread words, and five daughters. It's a horror story. Horror. You know, a horror story. The middle-class mother would have opened that and thought, oh, my God, this is the absolute nightmare. How are they going to get out of this one? And, of course, it's Mrs. Bennett that gets them out. Um, I think the Alison Stedman performance did her a lot of damage, actually. Yes. In, in the Colin Firth, BBC, Pride and Prejudice. I also think Mr Bennett, because he's got a couple of really fabulous lines. he does. And he's always paid by twinkly actors. Yeah. Is taken off to be a hero. When actually he's not. He's indolent, selfish, does nothing for those girls and is just sitting in his study wasting the money. Um, so I think we read it wrong. We read it as a rom-com and it's not. It's a story of jeopardy. It is a story of jeopardy, and you're looking at it, as I do, as a modern feminist. Yeah. And actually, yes, Mr. Bennett sits there doing nothing but mocking his wife. I know. And the only daughter he can stand is Elizabeth, and that's true. So in your book, Miss Austen, Am I Right? I have got it in my pocket. I have not had a chance to read anything about it, but I think you are imagining what might have been in the missing letters, amongst other yes, things. I am. I am. Um... I sort of, I duplicate, I imagine sort of about 12, 15 letters that, that Jane wrote to Cassandra and that Cassandra destroyed after Jane's death. So I do that and I give, I think, a slightly alternative biography. Because Cassandra burnt these letters, we have holes in our knowledge of Jane where we don't really know where she was, what she was doing, what she was thinking for a few years here and there. I think in those holes we can actually put depression, writer's block, depression, yeah. anxiety, um, all sorts of things that stopped her writing. Um, but also it meant that I could make things up because the bits where we know exactly what happens, I, I never, in both novels, I've written two now, Miss Austin and Godbusham Park is the second one. When we know the facts, I respect them and they're there. I, I never say something that didn't happen. Um, however, what I invent, I, where I can invent, I invent, but what I invent, I hope and feel very strongly is plausible. You're Could it happen? Oh, this is fantastic. I cannot wait to read it. And I know that our listeners are going to absolutely love this. It's Miss Austin. And Godmersham Park. And, and Godmersham Gob Park, Park by Jill Hornby. Godmersham Park came out in the States this year. And that is set in Jane Austen Brothers Edward Other Estate in Kent, Godmersham Park. And it's the life of the governess, Anne Sharp who was Jane's one great friend outside of the family. Now, that was another thing that women, of course, had to do. They had yes. to work and they had these awful positions. They were usually yes, highly no educated yes. and they would go off into yeah. <laughs> these households and often be treated, I mean, appallingly badly. So I can't wait to read that one either. Yes. This is so exciting. <laughs> now, I have one question because I'm going to let you go. But as a writer, I, I wonder, I mean, you said... She, she got, in the years she didn't write, I mean, I'm assuming that she was just so distracted by and not having a place to write, a quiet place to write. And I've just been touring Jane Austen's house for the umpteenth time. And every time I do, I look at that tiny little table. Yeah. And I think, well, at least here she was able yeah. to have some structure and some peace. It's and all I, she needed. And is that what you, as a writer, need? 
Um, yes, I do. I need a corner, a quiet corner. I don't mean it doesn't have to be too quiet because I can put my um, ear pads, you know, whatever they're called. Uh, uh, earplugs. Ear, earplugs. Yes. Then I'm fine. So, um, brilliant, actually. So, everybody got that. All writers there, earplugs. Jill Hawley, thank you so much. So, I'm walking through the cobbled streets of Alton and I'm admiring all the market stalls when suddenly I found one that had nothing but costumes. So, I stopped and had a chat. Who am I with? Sylvia Spilsbury and Russet Autumn. So tell me about the popularity or otherwise of your Jane Austen costumes. Uh, what word could you use, Sylvia? Wow. <laughs> Overwhelming, shall we say. Overwhelming. Yes, a year in advance we get bookings for costumes for Jane Austen festivals, Fantastic. for balls, for dinners, Workshop. parties, hen parties, you name it. It is very, very popular. So now, where are you located? Uh, don't be fooled by our name, Bath Theatrical Costume High. We are actually in Froome. <laughs> I thought you might. <laughs> We're in Froome, but we originated in Bath. That's how we have our name. So you drove all the way to Alton today to be part of this marvellous Regency Day. Yes. And just to give you a visual, these are two stunning women who have their own stall and they're surrounded by lots of Jane Austen hats and gloves and bags and umbrellas and you name it, they've got it. They're going to sell me a feather for my hair for the ball tonight, which is quite exciting. Well, one wouldn't be going to a ball without a feather, would one, madam? One certainly would not. <laughs> So we do we do bonnet workshops. Yeah. So they can take away a finished a finished That's bonnet. Fantastic. Reticule workshops, making reticules. And making feathers. And this year we're introducing a workshop, the language of the fan. Of the fan. As in the kinds you, you cool, cool yourself, yourself down with. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yeah. All right, so tell us again where they need to come to. Bath theatrical costume hire. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Thank you. As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com realm, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you can make sure your ride stays running smoothly. Brake kits, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. So I went to dinner at the Swan Hotel with Caroline Jane Knight, who is Jane Austen's fifth great niece, who we will be interviewing in a future episode, and other ambassadors for the Jane Austen Literacy Foundation. And I got to meet all the Jane Austen fans who'd come from all over the world to be there. So there we are, eating steak and kidney pie, I'm sorry to say. But the company was fantastic. Jane Austen is still bringing people together in 2023. I'm sitting at dinner in the very famous Swan Hotel with the most remarkable group of women, Caroline Jane Knight. Hello, Caroline. Hello, Alison. And your name is? Carla Bellacci. And Carla, what brings you here? To be a part of Regency Week because I'm an Austen fan and an avid supporter of the Literacy Foundation. Sophie Spruce. And tell us about you, Sophie. I am the editor for the Pride and Possibilities Journal, and I'm here to be a part of Regency Week. That's fantastic. And over here... I'm Rita Spruce. I'm Sophie's mom. I accompanied her, but I'm here to serve as a volunteer this weekend. Yeah, that's fantastic. And last but not least, representing Ireland. Eileen Collins from Castletown Road, County Cork. A huge Jane Austen fan and a great supporter of Regency Week. If I win the lotto, I will buy a house in Jordan. There you go. And we're all here having dinner together to celebrate because of one brilliant writer, Jane Austen. I'm sitting here with Renee and Renee is from Knoxville, Tennessee. And... Renee, would you tell us what Jane Austen means to you and why you're a fan? It has come to mean so much to me that I've been able to relate to her characters so that she fills in gaps in my life. When I could read any page of any of her novels that I know so well, and I know her characters so well, and there are people I want to know, people I want in my life, they remind me of people who are in my life that I'm not with at the moment. Right. And I can just turn a page and read a part of somebody's life as if we were sitting together and they're just telling me about their 
neighbor, Mr. Woodhouse, and how he's giving advice, and they're not sure whether to take his advice. And yeah, what I find so amazing is that you, you've read all the books or listened to them, and you know who they are. So when you open up a book or you press play and listen, you know who's talking. So when you sat down and I heard your voice, I had this soothing calm just flow over my back. And I thought, wow, she has a lovely voice. And then I thought, why does it sound familiar? <laughs> and then when I figured out who you were, I thought, oh, she has comforted me. Because you've listened to all the books. The audiobooks. Yes. And I could just click you on and, and you bring me comfort. Well, that, that's, that's, so, that's so encouraging. Now, now I'm never going to stop narrating audiobooks. It'll just be going on and on. Thank you. You, you moved around quite a lot, did you? Yes. So there wasn't a steady community as you were raising your six children. <laughs> so you found that Austin was your steady community. I didn't realize that until I was nursing my third and fourth child children yeah and all those hours late at night when there isn't anybody or hours during the day when I'm just sitting and there's no one to chat with because somebody kindly took my other two to visit but I'm alone yeah and I think in reality we weren't meant to be that way we're supposed to sit together we're supposed to be in each other's kitchens we're supposed to be in the yard together and doing things and talking about just life. I think you've struck on something really key. You feel that she's providing something that's missing, uh, a sense of community. I always think a sense of goodness in, mm. in the people mm -hmm. and that there's something wonderfully comforting for it you. Is. It is. Yeah. There's not, it's not that I don't have it in my life. It's just sure. not as accessible. Right. As a little country village and my, my small little cottage and my neighbors walking by and my sister living next door. It, it would be lovely if we could, but it's also impractical. Were you like Mrs. Bennett with your six daughters? No. I'm so grateful. <laughs> I was. So my, my homeschooling community was very familiar with Pride and Prejudice because we moms were interested in it. Yeah. I was... Um, often referred to because I have five daughters and then a son. I did one better than Mrs. Bennett. <laughs> the truth is I did marry Mr. Darcy. I do think because I did start reading Pride and Prejudice when I was in seventh grade. I think I married Mr. my husband because I could see past because I understood Mr. Darcy. Wow. It does influence me. It did really influence me. It's not just sort of influenced me. I think it really did. Well, that's big. I mean, to miss, and it's been a good marriage? Yes, we're still married. Oh, my God. Well, spent, after how many years? 38. That's wonderful. Sam Keel runs the Jane Austen Fan Club on Facebook with 72,000 members, the Pride and Prejudice Fan Club on Facebook, which has 79,000 members, the Meriton Marketplace and the Jane Austen Fan Fiction Authors Group. He sings Van Halen. His band is called the Flashback Brothers. He decorates exquisite wedding cakes. And now he's here talking to me. I'm very excited to be talking to the world's least likely, but perhaps most enthusiastic Janeite, Sam Keel. Hello, Sam. 
Hello, Allison. Hello there. Very nice to be here. Nice to be noticed. Nice for somebody, some fancy person to notice our little tiny group. It's not tiny. And I was so excited to discover it. And then when I found out about you, I mean, just tell just tell our listeners to begin with, you run four of the largest social media pages for Jane Austen fans. So you are an amazing cake decorator who makes incredibly <laughs> <I> beautiful <laughs> wedding cakes. So can you just tell me how this came to be? So what happened that brought you in to the Jane Austen community? What was the thing that kicked it off? Okay, so I'm in my bakery in Orem, Utah, right? Minding my own business. I've got, <laughs> I'm doing my cakes and my brownies and my bread and my cookies and doing doing what I do. Well, I have about six Six uh, young ladies in my crew who are coming in regularly every morning and talk, talk, talking about Mr. Darcy, Lizzie, and Pride and Prejudice, right? <laughs> and, they, and, and they're just all they're talking about. They don't talk, not, nothing else but Pride and Prejudice, Mr. Darcy and Lizzie. Um, and I'm listening to them, yeah, yeah, whatever. So this goes on for three or four days. And these girls are going to, right? And I'm sure anybody listening to you, me, who, who also came in in 2005 is, a, is nodding their head, yes, because they, they were seeing it once, twice, three times, four it times, being, five times. It being, it being the Kira Pride Knightley. and Prejudice. Yes, Kira Knightley. Yeah, Pride. Yeah. So I relent. After about four days, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll go see this thing. Because at heart... Um, and really, just a really a quick aside, I grew up with Edgar Rice Burroughs books, Tarzan, John Carter, <laughs> and all of his, and, and the space movies, you know, Star Wars and things, but always throughout all of them, there was this romantic love life going on in every, in every one of his stories. So anyway, now back to where we are. So I decide, okay, I'm going to go see this movie. So I go see this movie, and ah, it was... I was done. It just captured me. It, the story was compelling. The, the characters were bright, vibrant. The plot is so fun. Uh, Darcy and Lizzie to, to Mr. Collins to Charlotte Lucas and all the other. I, I could not get enough. And then I saw it twice. I saw it three times. I saw it four <laughs> times. I saw it five I times. It. Right? Because this, this story is so compelling then when the dvd comes out i'm like oh my gosh and so and the timeline mind this was 2005 right so that's all right. i got that's all i've got is the movie meanwhile facebook begins in 2006 about a year later facebook is begins it in earnest it begins and i was not in it but the Pride and Prejudice group and the Jane Austen fan club were formed in 2006, right? And I joined Facebook in 2007 and immediately was drawn to these two groups. The Jane Austen fan club had 5,000 people in it when I joined it in 2006. And it was fun because it was all about what I wanted to talk about. Yes. I went on to it the other day, Sam, and I put in one comment I had about Mrs. Bennett, and I'm te within a few minutes. I saw that. I mean, I, oh, my God. And I'm going, oh, my God, there are other people who love this stuff as well. I'm feeling, oh, finally. Now, look, I do have a quick question for you. 
you obviously are a romantic because you loved yes. the story so much. So do you have any love advice to give our listeners? My love advice to our listeners <clears throat> would be to keep in mind all the time through the ups, through the downs, and Sherry, my wife Sherry and I, we're going on, uh, we, were born, we were married in 1980, so we're at uh, um, uh, 43 years now. Wow. Is to stay friends. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the money, the sex, the, uh, the religion, the politics, the, all the things that, all the things that divide people and, and crash people around. Um, you, you'll go through all that stuff and your children and your grandchildren and all the, the problems with, with uh, all those things. But if you stay friendly and you communicate, you stay communicating. Because communicating, particularly when you're ticked off or something isn't yeah. going your way, staying communicating is tough to do. But really communicating and being friends, remembering, hey, we're friends. Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my love advice right there. You know what? That is fantastic love advice. But, I mean, I do sort of wonder, you know, whether Darcy and Elizabeth would have managed to communicate well enough. Because, you know, you've just said quite rightly um, that a long and happy marriage is really down to the quality of its communication. And Darcy is the worst communication I mean, he, he can't <laughs> communicate at all, at all. And so I do wonder, I think that probably Bingley and Jane have a better chance that's a really good marriage like yours, but hey, who knows? But anyway, so um, I, I guess what I'd like to know, I mean, could you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Is there anything else you'd you know, like to share with us? Um, I'm also a musician, I'm, and I, I've been in rock and roll bands. Um, I've written music. I've recorded music. Um, I have a little band called the Flashback Brothers, and we're still playing. I'm 65 That's this great. year. And most of us are, a couple of us, almost 70 if you were a little bit younger. Um, but, um, yeah, it keeps, uh, I love to sing. I love to play. I love my, my cakes. And of course, I have a real job um, in addition, a salaried <laughs> job. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm spread out pretty thin with all the things that I love. If you or any of your fellow J-Knights, you know, have thoughts on who you'd like to hear us interview on this podcast. I mean, Sam, you can just tell us directly, but anyone listening, just please leave a comment in the reviews and we will do our very best to make that happen. Because what we're really hoping with this podcast is to make it, you know, the Jane Knights podcast. This is for people who love Jane Austen. And, and of course, yes, I'm narrating the novels of Jane Austen themselves, but we're inviting, uh, you know, communication in, in the way that, you know, through the podcast. But we also want to send people to your amazing Facebook pages. So if they're feeling a little bit lonely in their love for Jane Austen, as I was, <laughs> all they've got to do is... Come on in, the water pages. is warm. <laughs> and, you know, just like all the characters, in Jane Austen's novels, you know, these are people with opinions, which, of course, makes it really, really interesting. And, um, you know, we're just so delighted to have had a chance to talk with you, Sam. And I'm just wondering if there's anything else that you'd like to promote or mention before we wrap things up. First of all, come and join our, our group. because And many people, 
love it or hate it, love, and, love or hate the tech, the big, quote, big tech companies, love them or hate them, Facebook has enabled us, has given us a vehicle. It is a vehicle mm-hmm. that we have exploited. So if you if you don't like Facebook, if you're uncomfortable with Facebook, join Facebook anyway and only come to our group. And you're going to yeah. find so many people who are think exactly the same way that you do. Or um, who, or who think differently in an interesting way and they're not. I mean, they may disagree, yeah. but it's polite and you make sure that people are, are basically kind to each other. But, I mean, what a conversation. I mean, I'm just still in shock. My two posts. I mean, I've never heard so many people's opinions <laughs> on something I've said in my life. And, of course, I shall continue to do it. Um, <laughs> great fun. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming with me on my wonderful trip to Regency Week in Alton and Chawton. I also went to a ball and I interviewed Jeremy Knight and Caroline Jane Knight, Jane Austen's fourth great nephew and fifth great niece. We have more special bonus episodes on top of this one, including an interview with screenwriter, producer, Jane Austen fan, and my co-writer and friend, Lucy Shuttleworth, where we talk about all things Austen, dating in our 50s, love, loss, and sexuality. So be sure to check that out as well. For more behind-the-scenes videos and photos from my visit to Regency Week, visit at Realm Media on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and at Realm Media FM on Facebook. If you're a Jainite, you might even see yourself there. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to rate, review, and share it with friends. Tell everybody about it. You can listen ad-free by joining Realm Unlimited at Realm FM or Realm Plus on Apple Podcasts. You can also find more shows like this one by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at Realm.fm. I'm Alison Larkin, and I'll see you next time. You're listening to the Pride and Prejudice podcast with Alison Larkin. Created and produced by Realm, your portal to another world. Listen away. If you're looking for another bookish show that isn't afraid to get nerdy, you have to check out the chart-topping podcast, The History of Literature, from The Podglomerate. Each week on the podcast, host Jack Wilson and his guests dive deep into the history of literature, covering everything and everyone from A to Z. And by that, I mean Atwood to Zhivago, of course. The History of Literature is the perfect story-loving companion to the podcast you'll hear here on Realm, especially if you love good books and great conversation, and if, like me, you have a towering to-be-read pile. So don't miss a page. Follow The History of Literature on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this show. And tell them we sent you. What does feminism mean to you? During Women's History Month, come explore feminism and how it's playing out in real life with season two of Thread the Needle, a monthly podcast. I'm your host, Donna Schill. I use my background in journalism and draw on women's life experiences to add to the conversation on topics that matter to fellow feminists like you. Now in its second season, listen to new episodes each month as we explore finding yourself through divorce, battling call-out culture, questioning our ideas about masculinity, 
and discovering why girls' confidence plummets in their preteens. Guests include Stephanie Kuntz, historian and author of Marriage, a History, April White, author of Divorce Colony, and Loretta Ross, professor on white supremacy and call-out culture at Smith College. Listen to Thread the Needle on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Jane Austen Podcast with Alison Larkin is a Realm Original production, hosted and performed by Alison Larkin, based on the novels by Jane Austen, produced by Kaylin West and Nicole Kreuter, executive produced by Molly Barton and Julian Yap. Audio produced and edited by Kaylin West, original theme by Hashem Asadolahi, performed by Jody Redditch Ferber and Ben Russell, musical engineering by Justin Murrow, musical supervision by Marcus Thorne Bagala. Production Management by Devin Shepard. Production Coordination by Angela Yee. Cover Art by Naomi Cho. Executive in Charge for Realm, Mary Asadolahi. Find more shows like the Jane Austen Podcast with Allison Larkin by following Realm on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or at realm.fm. <laughs>